Parshas Vayechi is known for the Birchas Yaakov, or the final blessings which Yaakov Avinu conferred upon his children before he passed away. Now, although the Chumash tells us, Ish Kibirchaso Berachosam, that Yaakov had a uniquely suited bracha for each of his individual children, nonetheless, if you look really closely at a couple of the brachos, you might notice a little bit of interplay between two of them. Now, the ones that I have in mind are the brachos of the Bukhor, Reuven, and the bracha of the one through whom there would eventually be Machus based of it, the bracha of Yehuda. Between the brachos of Reuven and Yehuda, there are a couple of textual parallels, and there are even a couple of seemingly mirror images that occur in the wording of their blessings. So just for example, we know that the Pashapshat at least of the two brachos is that Yaakov Avinu tells Reuven that he's the Bukhor, and although he was supposed to be first, because he was Pachas Kamayim, he was an impetuous one like water, so therefore he would not be first. And by contrast, Yehuda, Yaakov Avinu tells that he's the one whom his brothers are going to acknowledge, and that ultimately he, um, Yehuda is a lion cub who um, crouches and lies in wait. And ultimately, we know that the kingship, Yaakov says, will never be removed from Yehuda. But again, when you look at the two brachos, which at first glance don't have much to do with each other, you'll notice that Yaakov Avinu addresses only these two, I believe, Reuven and Yehuda, with the Lashon of Atah. He tells them, you. He looks at them and says in the second person, you. When it comes to Ruvain, he says, B'chori ata, you are my firstborn. When it comes to Yehuda, he says, ata yaducha you are the one whom your brothers are going to acknowledge. That's already interesting. We see a little bit of an interplay already. Yaakov looks at Ruvain and says, you are the firstborn. And yet he looks at Yehuda and says, however, you are the one that your brothers are going to acknowledge. Now we find another Lushan that appears in both places, the Lushan of Alisa, which means to ascend. When describing where Ruvain went wrong, Yaakovinu says, Ki Alisa avicha, for you went up or ascended um, your father's bed, alluding to the sin, um, the obscure sin that's recorded in Parshas Vayishlach regarding Bilha. When it comes to Yehuda, Yaakovinu praises him with a similar wording. He says, Miteref bini Alisa. From pray you ascended. Rashi explains that this particular phrase is a reference to two possible things that Yehuda ascended from. Either from the sin of Mechiras Yosef, that, that Yehuda um, actually redeemed himself, he rectified that sin, or from sparing Tamar when he confessed to his wrongdoing um, with her. Now, another Lashon that we find that's very similar, but you have to be careful with the wording. When it comes to Ruvain, Yaakovin ultimately says, Alto Sar, you are not going to get more, right? But then when he comes to Yehuda, he says the kingship will never be removed from him, Lo Yasur. Now, Lo Yasur and Alto Sar are definitely different because Alto Sar is with a suf or a tough, if you will, whichever you prefer, which means to get more. Whereas lo yasur, that's with a samach, which means to not be removed. The words are obviously different, but the phonetic parallel is definitely is noticeable. And whereas Yaakov says al tosar to Ruvain, he says lo yasur, that the, that the scepter will not be removed from Yehuda. So Ruvain, on the one hand, is not going to get more. 
But Yehuda, in fact, he will never lose the extra that he has. So the question is, what are we supposed to learn if we are willing to grant that these two brachos have a certain parallelism? So what is the message? It seems that the message is that, Ruvain, you were first and you were supposed to be the best, but you're not going to get extra, but Yehuda will. Now, the question is, what is the difference between Ruvain and Yehuda? Why is it that Ruvain is losing out on everything seemingly, or almost everything? And how is it that Yehuda has swept in and overtaken him? And I think if you look really closely at the stories that we find throughout the Parshios, starting already from Vayishlach, but going all the way to where we are now, we will find that there's a lot of interesting parallels between Reuven and Yehuda, and yet there seems to be a constant um, and consistent uh, pattern. And that is that Reuven's always first, but Yehuda is always stronger and more successful. We find that both Reuven and Yehuda, um, they were involved in Mechiras Yosef. And yet, Reuven was the one that initially stood up and said, hey, let's not kill him. And yet Yehuda was the one who said, hey, let's sell him. And ultimately, Reuven wanted to come back and save Yosef. But ultimately, he didn't get the chance to because the brothers ultimately listened to the counsel of Ye- of Yehuda. In fact, we don't know if the brothers would have ever listened to Reuven to bring Yosef all the way back, but we find from Chazal that they would have listened to Yehuda. Whatever Yehuda would have said, they would have listened. Reuven acted because he knew he would have gotten the blame. He, he had to think of something quickly, so he said, just throw him in a pit. And um, had he come up with something else, maybe if he spoke to Yehuda and convinced him that they should just let Yosef go, maybe things would have turned out differently. But Reuven acted in the nick of time. He's praised by Chazal for his attempt to save Yosef, but of course his attempt gets overtaken by Yehuda's plan B. Another time that we find a parallel between Reuven and Yehuda, although there, there it's a, a dubious stories in the Torah and how we're supposed to read it, it's not so clear, but we find that Reuven and Yehuda both are involved in some kind of uh, obscure bedroom scene Whatever Reuven did with Yaakov's tent and Yaakov's bed and with Bilha, which is not so clear, but there's that story, which we find that Reuven does not look good. At the very least, Reuven does not look good from that story, whereas Yehuda is involved with Tamar. And yet, Yehuda is praised at the very end. The Gemara understands that Yehuda is praised for overcoming um, his, own, his, own, his own glory, and he actually is willing to shame himself to save Tamar and admit that he was wrong. Now, the last parallel that we find between Reuven and Yehuda is that both of them are the ones that speak up when Yaakov um, does not want to bring Binyamin down to Mitzrayim. And this was, you know, they were ordered to bring down Binyamin by Yosef, the masked viceroy. And of course, um, Reuven, as always, steps up first. And Yaakov immediately shoots him down. Reuven says, I'll even let you take two of my sons, kill two of my sons if I don't bring Binyamin back. Of course, Yaakov does not listen to Reuven, but he does listen to Yehuda. And the question is, what is this difference between Reuven and Yehuda? So the answer, very simply, is in Yaakov's descriptions of the two of them. On the one hand, Reuven is described as pachas kamayim. He's an impetuous one like water. There seems to be an intrinsic, some kind of impulsiveness that Yaakov Avinu ascribes to Reuven. 
And on the other hand, Yehuda, the description that's given of Yehuda is that he lies and crouches like a lion in wait, ready to attack, ready to ready for the right moment. And we find that this is actually what happens all the time. Ruvain always steps up because he wants to be first, because he thinks he needs to be first, because if he's not first, he's going to get the blame. But a lot of the time, Ruvain does that at the cost of accuracy and at the cost of being successful, at the cost of making all the absolute right decisions. When it comes to Yehuda, Yehuda, every step of the way, he comes in second. But in this case, like we find in many places, first is the worst and second is the best. It's not, you know, Yehuda comes up with a plan B that everyone's able to listen to, maybe because of his leadership abilities, or maybe because when he says, Ma betza, what are we going to gain from trying to cover up his blood if we're not proud of what we're doing, says Yehuda. Maybe we're doing the wrong thing, and maybe we're supposed to just let him stay alive. And in a certain sense, Yehuda is a big reason as to, uh, uh, you know, at least in, um, he gets a certain credit for also um, for Yosef not dying. Now, when it comes to the story of the trying to get Binyamin down to Mitzrayim, the Ramban points this out. One major difference between Reuven and Yehuda is that Reuven, immediately, when they still had food, Reuven tries to, to um, hassle Yaakov into bringing Binyamin down, whereas Yehuda waited till all the food ran out. Not only that, but Yehuda had the winning argument of, if we don't get any food now, if we don't bring Binyamin down, then we're all going to die, you and your sons and your grandsons, and all of your, all of your children and grandchildren. And not only that, but Ruvain said something very impetuous, very, you know, Ruvain might have had this in mind, that he wants to be confident, so he says, I'll even let you take two of my sons, but he was speaking to Yaakov Avinu, who was already bereft of two children, Yosef, and at the time, Shimon, Yehuda, who had already lost two of his own sons, Er and Onan, Yehuda would never say such a thing. But Yehuda says, the only thing I can give you if I mess up is my entire Olamahaba, that I will have sinned forever, there's no way for me to rectify this if I mess up. So we find that Reuven is rushing like water, whereas Yehuda is a lion, crouching, lying in wait. And the idea, although we believe in this concept of Zrizen Makdim and Lemitzvos, that you want to be a Zariz, you, you want to have alacrity, alacrity does not count and does not work at the cost of accuracy. The whole idea of being a Zariz, being, having Zrizos, is that first you find out what it is that you have to do, and then once you know for sure what's the best idea, then you attack. But just going in mindlessly, rushing like water, that's not going to help. And so the idea for us is to recognize the difference between these two midos, recognize where leadership comes from, and understand why it was that Yehuda's the one that will ultimately get more, where unfortunately others were not able to. And so we should be zochah to have this midah to not only try to have alacrity, but but again to do so with utmost accuracy. Okay.